podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm confused. Oh, you should have made it rhyme. Oh, well, I, I thought you were going to come with bad then. I really? thought, yeah, I thought we were cl- doing Clint Eastwood. I then. was opening it up then to then end up, up with. Your mic um, oh my god! Sorry, mate. <laughs> Sorry, I should have looked up. I thought you were mic. I thought it was a rap you had prepared for us. Right, start again. I'm not going to do it now. I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to keep it unrhyming. You've lost the mystery, haven't you? Sorry. <laughs> should we start again, or should we just keep it at that? Oh, I tell you, that was me going for a poignant moment. The lights dim, everyone's at home, and I was just going to say, "I need therapy." That was in, that intro was as good as the first half of Chelsea's season, mate. Really? Yep. Excellent. You mean last season when we were really good? Thank you, Rick. Um, yes, uh, this is the Chelsea podcast, and this podcast is the special one. Um, and to join me in this sort of strange deconstruction of what the hell's gone on, we don't have Andy Saunders. He couldn't make it. I think he's getting therapy. But I have messages from him to read out to all you adoring fans of his much later. And Chairman Phil isn't here either because he's very busy being Santa. Uh, but I've got a message to read out from him as well. He's doing Santa before he does Les Mis. Is he making it's a list? It's ever so actorial. Is Phil making a list? Phil's it twice. Is he? <laughs> Hey, look, he's lively. You know who that is. That's only Rick Glanville, club historian and superstar. Hello, Rick. Hello. How lovely to see you. And, and you. I'm very up at the moment. Because yeah, I, I, I then go very down. Cake. It's because I had this really sugary cake around the corner. And, you know, as you get older, you go, wow, sugar, what a rush. How mm, bizarre. Thanks for sharing. I know. So, well, I, could, I tried to. Patisserie Valerie, I I bet. shared it with me. Mm. Um, and also we have... Mr. Seb Fontaine. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There we go. <laughs> That's, That's what the, it's... I should have said that as well. You I? should have, but you didn't because you're so bar humbug. <laughs> That's the problem with you. So, I'm, okay, is this... Well, I don't even know how we even start this. You know, we've, got, we've got to work out. Is this a Christmas present or a Christmas disaster? How do we feel? I mean, where do we stand on... How do we get out of the, the fact that, you know... Leicester City happened, we lost it, we talked about the game, and we were all rational last week and saying, well, I think they should certainly keep Jose probably till the end of the season, because there's any point changing it in mid-season now, when actually perhaps if they were going to get rid of him, it would have been after maybe the Southampton or the Liverpool game, and he seemed to have ridden the storm. And then suddenly, from what I can understand, at one o'clock on Thursday or whatever it was, everyone was expecting the press conference to be as usual on Friday, they'd been told... And then 60 minutes later, they were told there was no press conference and you know who had gone. What do we think? Rick, uh, let me open it up to you. Being the historian, how does this fit into our historical pattern? Classic Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I was on, my, on a bus on the way here. I was some uh, a supporter who's a season ticket holder for 40 years plus. Lawrence, his name is. Hello, Lawrence. He'll be listening tonight said to me, what's going, you know, what's going on? What do you think of all this? And I said, well, come on, this is our Chelsea. We were always like this. Um, in terms of why it happened, I was sitting in the press conference at Leicester when, the, uh, when Jose said what he did. And although I feel that the media has misinterpreted 
broadly speaking, what he said about betrayal. I think he was talking about the betrayal of Tactics. all their work. Yeah, the, 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 the work, yeah, what they'd set out the, to do that but night. As a, but as a group, yeah. rather than him yeah. and his coaching staff. I did want, I, he's smart enough to know how it would get interpreted. And okay, I, did, I did think to myself, I, in fact, I spoke to Dan Levine, who another one of the podcast regular here, and said, you wonder what, whether he had been given licence to say that to spur the players on or whether he was actually at the end of his tether and didn't know what else to do to provoke them to get, to get a performance um, out or, of them. Or provoke them into something else, potentially. Yeah, Panto? I, no, I mean, I, I, mean <laughs> I, 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 I tell you what I feel. I, I, I don't buy into it was just the players and they know... I, I don't buy that professionals will lose games on purpose. No. I tell you what I do buy into. It felt like a bad marriage towards the end where two people are sitting across a table and they pretty much hate barely each talking, other yeah. and they're just barely talking. Staying together uh, for the kids. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly how it felt. And, and, and I think the word betrayal kind of just... just it just it, it sums up an irreparable, an irreparable relationship. And I got the feeling that he engineered that. It looks something you're either going to get rid of three or four players, or I go. I, I, I have the feeling that he was engineering himself to, to go. I, I, that's just my own. I, mind. I, I think he did actually could... say in a press conference. Let me make it clear: I want to stay. I'm not yeah. saying that I. But, I'm not giving up. I want to be. I still want to be here. It's up to the ball, but I still want to be. But here. I think he wanted. Uh, my personal view is, I think he wanted to go, but still be loved. Yeah, you know, and I, well, I think I'm, you would say that. But you know, I possibly over, over, you know, overreaching here. Well, it's 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 all. But it had to. Ch- I, I think the fact is something had to change. Something had to change, and it's a lot easier to change one manager than twenty-three players. players yeah. I, I don't think keeping him to the end of the season. I, I think I think there's a good chance we could have been relegated if we'd have just stuck with a bad marriage. Well, you know, you you hear all sorts of things, and this is the one thing that I I really can't emphasise enough with football is spurious rumour and, oh, I've had it on good authority, my friend lives next door to John Terry or my missus cleans so-and-so's house or I know so-and-so, I gave him a ride in my taxi. Most of those stories, it's about about as lightly as when someone says, to be honest with you. You Unless you hear it from the horse's mouth rather than the horse's sister. Horses can't talk. sister's mouth or brothers or whatever or hairdressers. You can't... You're, well, you don't trust your hairdresser. Every step, it's a bit like a free kick. The more touches there are, the more things that can go wrong and the more less accurate it can be. And I think that's the thing with rumours. And, and I do think that a couple of our players have been really poorly served by this rumour mill. Mm, I well, I was going to say, you know, you hear... I mean, the one thing I hear from people I kind of trust, but again, I don't 100% believe, is that... The atmosphere inside the, the Chelsea camp has been quite sort of angry and quite, quite sort of intense and not in a positive way that actually perhaps Mourinho does rule with an iron rod and maybe he tries to bend the players to his will constantly and there is a breaking point. I don't, I, I, I don't know, I don't know that. But, no, what, but, but what I do know is that he's... Uh, I do think that you, uh, Mourinho is the kind of manager that you need to let into your head. Uh, and it, you know, it has to be... Um, uh, you have to compromise to a, to a certain degree your individuality, I think. That's my interpretation from watching him for many years. But I don't know what's... I, I'm not saying that that's... 
I do think it contributes to, if you like, a re- you can get tired of having it inside your head, I would imagine, after, after three years. And it can be... I imagine it's difficult to sustain that. And it, I'm not saying that the players rejected it, but maybe they just stopped responding to it. Yeah. Because it, 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 that's the feeling I got about it. That, and he felt that. He said it. They're just not doing what I want them to do anymore. Yeah. And I think... It is nearly a year to the week where we stopped playing good football consistently. Mm. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's those two games, Tottenham. really. Tottenham and then the Bradford game mm. that seem to define Mourinho going, that's it, we're not playing the flair football anymore. That's going back in a draw. I'm having two defensive midfielders, one up top. Everyone does an amount of pressing from the top backwards and we will contain and that work, we, we all know, we limped to the title last, last year. In, in eight, a way... In eight the, points is quite, you know... I, no, but we'd already created the means. hard work had been done. Absolutely, that was the, the point. We kept, we kept ahead. And uh, as you're seeing now, I don't know if you watched the match last night between Arsenal and Manchester City. The Premier League, I'm sorry, is in disaster. dire straits. If those are the two, those are Best the title-chasing teams... Mm. The, the technical level, the tactical level, the lack of hunger. I mean, it's, it's astonishing, this yeah, league. Al- it is. Although I listened to Collymore uh, and the Liverpool game, I was driving back from somewhere on uh, Sunday, and, and, and a lot, all the people calling in, you know, if you're not a fan of the big four, I think it's the most wonderful Premier League no, ever. It's, 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 it's the biggest is, hurly-burly ever. And, and, and the resurgence of four four two that we've all been told doesn't work. <laughs> And, you know, and literally, I mean, you saw Leicester against us. I mean, wow, you know, the 4-4-2, it was all over us. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool crumbled against the 4-4-2. And Colin Moore, even Colin Moore was like, I can't believe it. We've been told, you know, it can't happen for ages. And it, it's, it's the thing. Good old-fashioned football is absolutely destroying the kind of the cornerstones of the big four. Okay, well, that, that's won't an interesting... Won't work in Europe. Po- no, no, well, well maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe if you get the right 4-4-2, perhaps it could. We're told it couldn't, but... Or, you know, to, or to be, I mean, Andy sits here every week saying four four two can't work in the Premiership. Day. I think maybe there's a slight variation. You know, really, let's four, play four four one one. Really, yeah. That's Sorry, right. uh, uh, yeah. let's do uh, Watford. Yeah, exactly. It's not four four two. But I still drops back in to make a five in yeah, midfield, exactly. which, is, which is the crux of a four four two that you're taking one of the midfielders. One as a foil and for and the other. Yeah, you know, but, and it was always with two strikers. One was always behind the other striker. You know, I mean, it's kind of. It used to be though. It used to be you had two sitting. On the yeah. But certainly in Mourinho's first period with us, he was more fluid and adaptable, and the, the, the formation point, the formations yeah. would change. And if it wasn't working, you know, he'd be bringing the wingers back. Robin and Duff would come back. This would happen. You know, everything would move. And I've not felt that this season. He's like, oh, Leicester, the, the, you changed the, it. The, the two, yeah, the, the two defensive midfield, the two, you know, yeah. And it just and it's felt slow. Turgid, get up to the box, pass around the edge of the yeah. box yeah. where there's no gaps, yeah. Yeah. and we'll just pass it round. We'll eventually lose it, and we'll have to get back. Well, and it's been very, very slow, yeah. uninspiring football. Yeah, I mean, and the, the the few times we've played with intensity and gone for it, we've looked a different side. There were moments against Arsenal, Porto. moments against Porto, and then there's the last twenty minutes against Leicester where yeah. suddenly we did look different and, and well, you Fabregas s- made a difference in that because uh, Seb's exactly right uh, we have become a prosaic attacking side teams just need to build a rectangle around the box and we just play it wide and then play it back again and the other wing the thing that changed apart from the formation at Leicester was that Fabregas started to play the ball into feet in the middle and we were getting through the heart into the heart of their 
uh, we, you know, we were bypassing their defensive midfielders and getting in behind, which is not what we've been doing all season. Seb's absolutely right. We're too predictable. We have become too predictable. Sunderland was a different case. Sunderland were just inept. They, they just were dreadful. Could, uh, they were worse than Villa. Yeah, um, probably Tel Aviv, I would say, is the other yeah. one that had been... Appalling. At least we're taking care of the really bad sides, <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes we never used to do, you know, in the old days. I, I don't know if you notice a lot of the press... I don't know whether it was an undermined video, but they, they were saying that the players against Sunderland played with a carefree attitude. Oh, and uh, and I, I didn't... Agenda, I mean, but yeah, and that's right. I mean, but do you feel that a less restrictive system will benefit us? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what Hiddink's well, going to do with this now. You know, I think, I think Hiddink will tamper very little with the side. I think you, you, what you saw on Saturday will probably happen more. You know, you saw Oscar, who, let's face it, over the last year or so, has been very much in one area of the pitch. Maybe he swaps over the other side, that's it. He dropped back, almost Hullet-like, to go and pick the As ball. As he was doing t- last season. Absolutely. Going alongside John Terry, getting a two-yard pass from JT, and spraying it 40 yards onto somebody's foot. So, and somebody was in that space. So, so, so let me ask a question, and that is, do we think, and no one, no one wanted Mourinho to go. He is our, yeah, we, we love right. him, we love him, yeah. but something had to change. Do we think now we're going to get better, more attractive football? <laughs> well, yes. I yeah. think we probably will. It's I don't care. I want three points every yeah, week. exactly. But <laughs> I, I, wanna, I, I do really want to, you care. know, I, I was going to say, you know, looking back over this three-year period with, or oh, two-and-a-bit-year period with Mourinho, it's been an odd time because the first season, we were in with a shout. I still maintain of that title until that moment he called us little horses and then it seemed like everything <laughs> dissipated. I think we could have been there and thereabouts, but it was almost something deliberate. You know, part of me thought there was some sort of schadenfreude going on there and that he was, he was almost saying, well, it's not quite my side yet, so maybe it would be better if we win it next year. I don't know. You know no, probably... I think he thought they were overachieving. But, that was my feeling. And, then, he, yeah, and he was okay. just preparing people. He, he, he didn't want a he young did. side to be suddenly become... Over-expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He didn't want too, too much you know, and suddenly every week. Well, if they don't win that, you know, it's a, the title chase is over. He wanted just to take the sting out of that, which I think was uh, exactly but, the right tactic. Okay, going, but but then isn't he always saying things like they're overachieving? Because he said it about the team that won the title last year, that they've overachieved. I mean, and last year was fantastic up until that New Year period. We played amazing football that first half and some of the best I've ever seen at Chelsea. Mm. And then it was shut up shop and it was limping through, getting a result, grinding it out. Great, we won the title. But Mm. you needed to see evolution this year. And for me, one of the key moments where I saw there's a real problem for Mourinho was after that Red Bulls game, the first pre-season warm-up game, when we lost 4-2 to their reserve side. But it's the first warm-up game of, of our, you know, pre-season tour. And he was spitting feathers afterwards in the interview and talking about the match. And instead of going, yeah, well, you know, it's just a warm-up thing. He was really genuinely as angry as he is when they've given a goal away in the last minute to lose a game or something. And I thought that was really telling at the time. And I said that I thought there was an issue going on and something isn't right in the club. And, you know, everyone goes on about the Eva Canero thing being the catalyst. No, I don't it think happened. it was. It It was already happening. Yes, exactly. a, a ridiculous post-season tour coupled with a really bad pre-season tour. It was, it was and absolutely no signings whatsoever to fill the quite glaring 
gaps that we had. And I think... Uh, Michael I think, Hector. And I... Yeah, right. I think, actually, the club have got a lot more to blame than any player on that pitch. And if anyone needs to be booed, it's possibly the running of the club and not giving Mourinho what he needed and not giving the players the break they needed. OK, well, I'm going to just... Thank you for that. I, I, I agree with a lot of that. But I, I've got a few messages from all our fellow sort of... Um, co-commentators, discussers here. So this is from Chairman Phil. Uh, Merry Christmas, the Chelsea and Chelsea and all the fans. Did he not do a ho-ho-ho? I'm really disappointed. Yeah. He's, no, he's booming a actorial voice. You know, it's, it's just too Everybody actorial. To you, know, you know, Absolutely, that's money. <laughs> Starts getting into character acting. Do you know what I mean? I said, keep it straight, Agent. Phil. Um, so, so he said, shame about Mourinho, but let's move into 2016, getting behind the players at the club and the new regime. I think Gus Hiddink is a good choice as interim manager, and maybe he can have Michael Emilalo's job, who seems to be bomb-proof, when a permanent oh, chump unfair. manager arrives. Well done, Oscar, for showing the fans some talent at last. Blue is the colour, Chairman Phil. I like that. Oscar digging, didn't he? Yeah, and Emanalo as well. I like that. I like yeah. that. I, I possibly agree with all of that. I think it's. I, I think Emanalo. I mean, you know, his his embarrassing press conference. Oh, we split on mutual mutual ways, and you know, it's all come out that it was all lies. You know, was... well, in defence of Michael Emanalo, who was it that discovered uh, Romelu Lukaku? Who was it that discovered De Bruyne? Now. You know, yeah, no, lots well, of people have no been pointed to them and saying that they were ones that got away. Personally, I don't think they probably... Uh, I, I don't know. They were re- I think they were justified sales. But lots of people don't, and they were very good spots. You know, not many... You know, they, Do you they, think we, we acquired them. So I think, uh, look, it, uh, it, you know, Michael Amanalo probably isn't media trained. I think it was unfortunate, some of the... It was bad things. timing going in there it, and saying it, it, the it, way it, it did. But it's a... Imagine... You know, having to say that that one of the greatest manager in the club's history is gone, there's Again. very little he could say that would have come out with no, uh, you know with anything but criticism. I, I think he gets a uh, sometimes people single you, him out unfairly. Do you think this is because people have this idea that Emanalo met Abramovich in some beach bar somewhere and they bonded over a beer, which is well, you no, know he was brought in by a, a, no, a but you know what I mean. Though. But that's what I'm saying. People have this idea of Emanalo. Nobody really knows who he is or what he does. You know, he's, he's almost more shadowy than when Avram first started at Chelsea. But no, and one, th- no one thought Michael Emanalo was doing a bad job last season, did they? No, he no. did a fantastic job. Any, no, yeah, but, he did a fantastic job the season before. <laughs> isn't that what happens with football? You yeah, know, when things course. go wrong, somebody goes, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you whose fault it is. And yeah. we don't actually know what he is. I think it would be much better if they had got him on Chelsea TV or whatever and did a proper interview with him. Train him up, say, look, don't call the man the individual. It's obviously going to upset well, people. I think the only thing that could have worked, and it would never have happened, would have been Jose being interviewed and yeah. saying, just making his peace with, uh, with, with the club and with... with and with... God. <laughs> but do you know what? I've got to say, That'd on be that, good viewing, just actually. on that, there was one of the most special moments, I think, I can remember at Stamford Bridge in the game at Sunderland, when the first goal went in, and as the corner was being taken, and all the chanting for Jose Mourinho and the rest of it, and even after the goal went in, it kind of rose up even more in support of the manager. And I thought that was quintessential Chelsea support. Contrary, yeah. um, defiant, but wait, a classy gesture about someone that we all love and that someone who is so important for the club uh, Ma- and its history. Di Matteo used to get great 
classy support, you know, after he went too soon. Mm. I mean, going back to Lukaku and De Bruyne, you know, I, I think they were great players. I mean, I don't think you could see quite, you know, they had talent. But the Chelsea team, as it stood, and whether it was with Mourinho, I don't, I don't see any talent coming through. Yeah, but, you know, I, but I think this is... this. Okay, if you're going to get, I don't want to get into talking about the failings of Mourinho particularly at the moment because there's plenty Doesn't of time for that. But I do think, you know, Mourinho looks, even though he said that when he came here he wanted to build a dynasty, he couldn't help but revert to type and go, I need this team to do something now. And I think, you know, that's been his way. He's usually come in, inherited three quarter finished teams I, 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 and I, then finished them off. Rather. And let's not forget, actually, he has actually blooded one player, and and he, I actually think he's probably playing a bit too much in Zuma. I mean, well, Zuma's Kennedy's in, played a few games. Yeah, Loftus Cheek has exactly. Come in. But I mean, Zuma's in there now, pretty much every week. I think he still needs a little break. Here but I, I, yeah. I think as a club, and not necessarily, I'm not talking about Mourinho. As a club, sometimes we don't see what we've got in front of us. You know, Ryan Bertrand being case in point. You know, we want to buy someone with a fancy name from Atletico Madrid instead. Then we buy someone because he didn't work out. And it looks like Man United might be buying Bertrand because he's absolutely an awesome, you know, left back. Champions we, League winner and, as well. And we had him. And I just, sometimes we've got to realise what we've got sometimes and give them a chance. Come on, Ryan Bertrand could do better than Man United, surely. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Right, I tell you, I've got a missive has arrived. From Mr. Andrew Saunders. Oh. Um, Is it ho- a load of stats? Sorry? <laughs> There's not a stat Hello, inside. Andy. That, that was Rick. That was Rick <laughs> being very horrible at Christmas time. Not the season of goodwill there, Andy, I'm afraid. Anyway, hi everyone. Sorry I can't be there tonight. Obviously, Jose Mourinho departing was a shock, although, if we we're honest, it had felt somewhat inevitable for a while. Some of the statements he made in the lead-up to his departure, particularly those comments aimed at the players, hinted at a poisonous atmosphere in the dressing room. And whilst I think certain players have shown immaturity and a lack of professionalism, I don't think Mourinho can avoid all criticism. That said, I would have stuck by him. I think it's a major mistake to let him go. He is our most successful manager ever, with a consistent track record of success. So allowing him to leave will, I think, come back and bite us at some point. I would rather have rebooted the team in January, allowing several players to leave and allowing him to acquire some new personnel that could give the team purpose and energy with a view to a proper overhaul of the squad next summer. The thought of Jose ending up at another Premier League club sickens me. It wasn't supposed to end like this. But it is what it is, so let's move on. I found those pathetic misspelt posters and the booing of our own players on Saturday utterly childish and depressing. It achieves nothing. That kind of behaviour serves only to compound the issues, not solve them. If you booed and no one ever admits it, take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror because, frankly, you're a moron. <laughs> and he, Classic, he Andy. always dances around the edges of what, a subject. What time was this written at night? <laughs> this morning. <laughs> He's in PR, you know. Anyway, carry on. I've said it before, supporter, the clue is in the name. Managers and players come and go. The only thing that remains consistent at a football club is us, the supporters. And at times like this, we need to pull together, rise above the issues and get behind the team. I have no doubt this will make us stronger in the long run. We have always drawn energy from chaos. So please, stay calm, trust in Gus Hiddink, support the players and get behind the team. 
Jose's gone and he's not coming back, no matter how many silly banners you make well, sure and how loud you boo. What do you think? We're up for number three. I think, I think in a couple of years' time, it's like Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> it, we'll, We're going to get married again. Get mar- we'll get married in secret in the Bahamas <laughs> or something. And then... I hope you all have a great Christmas. I'm confident of decent performances and results against Watford and United, and I'm looking forward to being back in the new year when hopefully we'll have started to turn the corner. Okay, well, there, there's quite a lot there from Andy, as always. I asked him for a line or two, um, but, you know, there you go. It's, it's, but I, I, re- I think... You know, it's heartfelt and, you know, it shows his passion. Um, was it always going to end like this, Rick? Um, no, didn't have to end like this. But I think, I think Seb's right. Uh, no team, no, not... could, with what he said at, earlier about relegation, I think we were fooling ourselves if we, and those of us long enough in the tooth, remember the great team of the 70s that, broke up and got relegated in 75. And then 87, 88, you know, a team that, again, was deemed to be too uh, good to go down, did go down through that ludicrous playoff system. You know, misfortunes happen, teams fall apart. We have... We, when, when you, we were looking at being only a point above the relegation zone, I was thinking to myself... My God, it would be typical Chelsea if this did happen. We were the only team ever to win the league and then get relegated the following season. So, you know, Jose talked about the players needed to show humility about their their situation because he said Leicester showed that. And I think that was absolutely spot on. And I've got to say, great performance on Saturday, but if that was a Christmas present, I'm holding on to the receipt. (laughs) Because we've had... Lots of these false dawns, false yeah, dawns this season. A lot this season. It's got to be three, four, five. Porto was a false, de- false dawn. Uh, yeah. And, and what do you think about the booing um, at Sunderland? I, 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 I tell you what I think. I just I think I I think it's really blinkered for anyone. It, again, back to the marriage thing to blame one half for the relationship breakdown. I think it's really blinkered to call them rats and say. You know, it's all your fault yeah. because I, 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 I don't think Jose. I don't didn't want him to go, but I don't think he's blameless. And some of the things he said, and some of the, you know, it, and you know, I okay. If we were just dealing with the losses on the pitch, but what we're also dealing with the war with the referees association, the war with Wenger that oh, just went on and on. War in Iraq. Oh, I like the war with the, Wenger. The war, you know, the, well, yeah, but but when when you're winning it, so it's all right. I don't forget, he didn't had a very the war, you know, and just the constant. You know, oh, it's everyone's against me. Yeah, it's a little yeah, bit yeah. draining, yeah, and I yeah, just, yeah. you know, I, I just would have loved. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say I would never sack Jose just on results. I just think there was something. It, it just, it felt like both of them weren't playing the game. Right? I, you cannot blame just the players for no. that. What's gone on? It's sometimes just not it's, right. Sometimes there's not. It's not as you say. If you, you, to Chemistry. use your analogy of the marriage, sometimes blame isn't part of it. Yeah. No, that's right. Sometimes the, it's just, you know, things just aren't working out. And you can't... It's not necessarily that people are, uh, are being bad or, you know, have been unfaithful or anything like that. Yeah. Sometimes it just... Things not meant, not meant to be. Apart. Drift apart. Not you know, meant I mean, to be. it does take me back to that whole thing about Capello, which I poo-pooed on here a few months ago. And he said, the problem with Mourinho... He burns his players out. They suddenly can't give well, any more. That's what I'm saying. It's that intensity yeah. of being in the But head. he was the first one to say it. And we we're going, how can that be? Everyone says they love Mourinho. Yeah. Um, everyone who's ever worked with him. And no, you, but that's, well, you know why? Because he's uh, only there a short time. And he, make, oh. he, he wins things. Yeah. Players, they care about the money, of course, because that's their, that's their livelihood. 
but they care more about having a cupboard full of medals that they can look back on when they're in their retirement. Yeah, well, I just want to read this out as well now. This is Alan Bird, old chefy, um, and happy Hello, birthday, Alan. happy birthday to Alan's son, who was uh, fifteen yesterday, I believe. So there you go. Um, it's quite a good thing. Happy birthday, Ed. You're doing yeah, well. Birthday. What a week to have your birthday in this. But Alan's written something, um, and he says, "Merry Christmas to everyone." Um, happy and healthy new year. Read Jose. So much for a long-term manager at CFC, eh? He was doomed from the moment Roman let Czech go to AFC. Then we didn't <laughs> sign stones. The Eva scenario played right into the media hands. Then the campaign from the media began to unseat Jose. Whilst the players have to ask themselves have they been professional and given their all for the shirt. Back we go on to the managerial merry-go-round. Um, and I don't think the media will give Jose an easy ride at United either. They love to hate him. Um, and I think, you know, what do we think about that? I mean, he's sort of almost saying that... I don't think the media have played any part at all. And I also... No, I think, I think Abramovich I, has actually lasted longer than I thought I, I, he would. I, don't, I really don't think... I don't think that over Camaro uh, stuff... I, I think that was a sideshow. It's all about results. Yeah. He didn't get the results. I'd also, the other thing that Alan, I'm sure Alan meant to mention it, is the fact that Jose's father was very ill. He had, a, you know. Yeah, a, I mean, that's a, also a, been overlooked. Anyone who's had that in their yeah. family knows how that can just. Yeah, uh, affect everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and also Alan goes on about uh, the, the day that he went to Chelsea and he saw firsthand the influence of Didier Drogba around the group yeah. of players. Yeah. And now we've seen him appear and things. He said Leadership. he was everywhere that day. Uh, it was a day after we had played Stoke away. Hazard had missed the training session as he had been kicked in the game. From that day, I realised what a massive influence Didier was on the players. It was amazing. He played with the youth team and squad players in, in matches and was so vocal and supportive. He even greeted me and Ed that day when we arrived. He was the bridge between Jose and the players. He would have been the voice of reason, the motivator. So I totally understand why Chelsea want him back as a coach. The dressing room is lacking leaders after the departure of Lampscheck, Didier... JT needs to support needs the support to wrangle those younger younger players, and uh, he said. And I remember Kurt Zuma scored a goal in that training game. Didier shouted out loud and proud, "Goal, Kurt Zuma!" <laughs> it made me feel good about being around him. Imagine the thoughts of those younger players playing alongside the guy that scored the winning pen in the 2012 Spots CL on, final. It cannot be undervalued. A true blue legend. Mm. So, but he was on the pitch last season. Yeah. That's where we miss him as well. That game where he rolled back Leicester. the years against Leicester. You know, I mean, it was just I, an amazing I also game. think there's something from that, from that email that we, we really need to look at the spine of our team. Yeah. You know, we've talked about the Terry Lampard, Drogba, that spine of the team. And we need to regain that somehow. You know, we need to look at that, regain the spine. I, I don't feel that we've got that anymore. You know. But City last night, going back to that game, and one of the, the weaknesses... That is their personalities. Yeah, you know, when you buy a player and you nurture them through the youth system as well, one of the key things you're looking for is character, personality. You know, that old, the traditional thing that 60s, 70s players say, wouldn't want them alongside you in the trenches. There, perhaps we have too many of those that you wouldn't want alongside and you. And you know what? I mean, if you speak to most people about the resurgence of Watford, Bournemouth, Leicester, it's all about character and also being a team, being a team. and not being a, a collection of multimillionaires, being a team that has come up from another division as winning, kept that winning mentality and gone on and actually shaken up the Premier League. And I'm kind of 
really, really impressed with those three teams and obviously less, you know, just avoided relegation and that was their camaraderie. But these teams showing real, a real bond between themselves, we need that back. Well, okay, I think that's absolutely spot on. And, you know, I, just one other thing. This was one last message just come in from Jeff Young. Um, hello, and, Jeff. Hey, hello, Jeff. Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Get waved. So, after Saturday, do we now think the players just got sick to death of playing Mourinho's boring football? <laughs> <laughs> Albeit against a poor side with the shackles off, they seem to rediscover the joy of playing with flair again. I mean, we kind of touched on this quite a lot. Um, do we think we'll play more open again now? I think that's in the eye of the beholder, personally. I, uh, my feeling about, tactically, the difference on, uh, at the weekend, probably the wide forwards played a little bit further forward. They were maybe less um, inclined to come back and defend as they would have been with Jose in charge. But I didn't. lots of people were saying the, f- the full-backs were further forward and I was, couldn't see any Less of that constrained was the word Yeah, exactly. And some... some um, uh, journalist said oh my god I think it was a radio journalist said Oscar's just t- tried a Rabona he would never have done that under Mourinho he tried it almost every week he did <laughs> it just was so badly done that you never noticed it was one but you know what I say Oscar learn to kick with your left foot mate yeah, don't yeah. do the Rabona there was no boner in his Rabona um, <laughs> so you know okay well what we're going to do is we'll be doing the extra mini podcast to talk about the upcoming games because, you know, we, this has been the special podcast. Um, my thanks to uh, Rick and to Seb for joining me and they'll be discussing the games coming up. But I just remember, you know, after winning the title, he had that whole slagging off of Guardiola, supposedly, and had all these things going on. And then he finished it with the line, I'm here until Abramovich tells me to go. Well, I'm afraid he has been told to go. Um, how do we feel? Are we happy? Are we sad? Are we confused? Or do we just get on with All it? All of the above. All of the above. All of the above is exactly... I am happy. I am sad. I am confused. But you know what? I'm also quite confident. And Rick? I'm going to stand up for the special one. No, Just absolutely. like I did on Saturday. I think... It, I loved having him in charge. It had gone wrong by the end. Change had to come... It came. We don't know what to expect now. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be an, a, a roller coaster. I'm, I'm confident that, that things will turn around massively. I hope that Gusidink puts aside, wipes away the memory of Barcelona and of Rabo and all that and gets us to the Champions League final, which he should have done in 2009 and yeah. was robbed. And I really hope we can have something yeah. that as supporters, we can all rally round and a good cup campaign, maybe surge up to a fifth, sixth, something like that if we can, maybe fourth if we're lucky, and we can all get behind uh, the team again. And let's put all the... Let's not point the finger at players. Let's move on from all that. Let's get behind them because they need it. We need it. We're in a relegation battle still. I think arguably Gus Hiddink was our, possibly our second most popular manager over the last 10 years. We no. want you to stay. Yeah, you know, we yeah. want you to stay. I mean, I loved Gus Hiddink. And did he take any notice of us? No, he, he blanked <laughs> us. No, he just your slap, he said. slapped Swing us, it. treated us like dogs. Exactly, that we are. Well, going back to your, you know, your uh, um, analogy of uh, a relationship, you know, some women love a bastard, don't they? <laughs> and you do too. So, you know, I, well, all I can say is I, I agree with pretty much all the sentiments that come out. And, you know, I am sorry to see him go because he was special in so many different ways. And 
he kept us all on our toes. You could never read what was going to happen Who's next. Who's going to get a better record than him in our, in our history? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean... Maybe Didier Drogba if he becomes the manager. Yeah, maybe Didier. Who, who knows where the future goes? You know, maybe we'll see Frank Lampard come back. Because I'm sure we must have forgiven him now for going to Man City. <laughs> you know, that surely has to be over. But, you know, I am, I am confused. I am sad. I am happy. I am Chelsea. And we move on. And that's all there is you can say, because we'll still be there at the next game. Anyway, Merry Christmas to everyone out Merry there. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank you for listening. It's Stay been positive. such fun. We are going places. <laughs> this is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.